Okay, well, good morning. Great to see you guys here. Happy uh, Family Day weekend. It is the Family Day weekend. And because it's the Family week, uh, Day weekend, and because on the third Sunday of every month, we all hang together. So we do uh, what we call an all-age service. So hopefully there'll be something for the little itty-bitty ones, and there'll be something for the really old ones like Phil. So, uh, so that <laughs> okay, yes. Yeah, so there's going to be something for everyone. But here's what I want to do first. Here's what I want to do at the beginning of the talk, at the outset, the kickoff, the dawn, the inauguration, the commencement, the threshold, the onset of this talk. Firstly, I want to do a few activities that's going to set our scene uh, together today, this morning. Activities that will help us focus on what I believe God is wanting to say to each and every one of us, from the itty-bitty ones to the really old ones. Activities that will illustrate, eke out, unveil, uncover, Lay bare, make known, expose, or dare I say, unbosom, what God is wanting to impart to us. And these activities are interactive. They are reciprocal. They are mutual. They are interdependent. They are bilateral. They are cross-party. They are two-way, two-sided, hands-on, practical. Which means you and I need to make a covenant this morning. An agreement. An understanding, if you will. A pact. A deal. A treaty. A bond. A pledge. A commitment. An undertaking. A surety. With each other. So, could I ask you to raise your right hand? And repeat after me. I, being of sound mind, that I will gladly participate in all activities that my esteemed pastor, Trevor Josh, asked me to do during this service. I will not hold him liable for any personal injuries or ridicule that may arise from making a complete and utter fall of myself. So help me God. <laughs> That's great. Thank you. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Linda, my wife, my spouse, my best friend, my confidant. No, okay, that's enough of that. This sermon's going to be long enough as it is. Linda is going to come and help me during the week... Uh, um, I didn't think Linda was going to be able to do this, and I was going to have to do it myself. And that was giving me palpitations. Linda, come up. And you know what? I haven't asked, but Chloe, can you come up? That would be absolutely wonderful. Because what we're going to do? What we're going to? We're going to learn a movement. We are going to. Sorry, Ryan Gosling isn't coming. But we are going to learn a movement. <laughs> And the best way to learn a movement is how? 
to repeat it over and over again. The best way to learn a movement is to repeat it over and over again. And so what I'm going to do, Chloe is going to be doing a, a tap competition shortly, aren't you, Chloe? Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so what I thought you and Linda could give us a little tap move that we could learn. I think Linda has something in mind, so maybe you and her can... So I haven't, I haven't talked to Chloe about this yet. <laughs>
thing we're going to do is to learn a memory Bible verse. And what's the best way to learn that? That's right. The best way to memorize a Bible verse is by repeating it over and over again. The best way to memorize a Bible verse is to repeat it over and over again. But let's make it a little different. Where's me? Where's me do that? Where's me do that? We're going to do it a little bit different because we're going to whisper it. I need Kirsten, you can come up. Jeff, you can come up. Uh, uh, come on, up. Almost. I think 
words in there.
Even when we grow up, we continue with repetition. Repetitions to make ourselves fit. You know, doing squats or whatever you do, or repetitions to learn languages. The best hockey players say shooting pucks for hours and hours on end is going to improve their performance. We all need repetition in our lives. We need to do things over and over and over again. But we also need to be told things over and over and over again until we get it. You may have noticed that my sermons are largely based on this premise. And therefore it's hardly surprising to discover that God is into repetition big time. He repeats things over and over and over again. Why? Has he got a bad memory? No. He does it for our benefit. And we're going to look at that now. We're going to actually split up a little bit now, kids. Um, some of you are at the table already. Here's what I want you to do with repetition, okay? So kids or older people who want to be kids today, I want you to take these four words. <coughs> Jesus sets me free. Well, uh, I don't know if you do this now, but back in when I was a kid and I was in detention. Do you still have detention at school? No? You don't know what detention is? <laughs> is when you do something wrong and the teachers want to punish you so they keep you in after school and do you, any, anyone else adults remember detention? Yes, okay. I never was in detention. Linda was in it all the time. <laughs> Just such a rebel. But when we got into detention what was the thing that you had to do? You had to write lines, didn't you? I will not do this again. I will not be cheeky to the teacher. That was mine. I would write that a hundred times. So here's what I want you to do, kids, all right? I want you to, in those four words, I've done something really simple here, but I want you to write it out as many times as you can, be as creative as you can, and make some sort of pattern out of it. Okay, so, you know, like it might intersect or cross or in different colours or... Do, do you understand what I mean? This is a really awful example. Yeah? Yeah, Nicholas is nodding. He's got it. Thanks, buddy. So, I want you to sort of create something like that. Be creative and we'll have a look at them in about ten minutes so when we come back together, okay? All right. All right. <coughs> so, the rest of us. We are, where are we? we're in Exodus, and we're looking at one of the great stories in the whole of Scripture. We're looking about how the great I am, he uses his power and his compassion to set his people free. Set them free physically from slavery and bondage in Egypt. And you remember that he calls this guy Moses to go and tell the king to let my people go. But instead... After he goes, the king makes things worse. The brutality is stepped up. The work hours are stepped up. There's no overtime paid anymore. And the Hebrew people start complaining to Moses. It's all your fault. And what does Moses do? 
Well, he goes to God and says, it's all your fault. And look at the last verse in, uh, that we saw last week. Ever, this is Moses talking to God. Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, you brought trouble on this people, and you have not rescued your people at all. How is God going to re respond? Well, God's going to say, okay, that's it. I've had enough with you guys. I'm off to the golf course. Well, let's see how he responds. I just want to read uh, eight verses in chapter 6. So if you've got a Bible and you want to follow along with me, Exodus chapter 6, <coughs> uh, six verses. Then the Lord said to Moses, this is after Moses has had a go at him, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan where they lived as aliens. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Egyptians enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. This is God's response to Moses. God's response to Moses who's sulking, who's moaning, who's ticked off with God, who's disappointed with God. He's confused because things haven't worked out the way he wanted to or expected or hoped. And how does God respond? Well, he repeats, he repeats, and he repeats. He says, listen Moses, I'm going to repeat what I said to you and I'm going to keep on repeating it <coughs> Keep on saying it again and again and again until you get it. And I believe that that is the word for us this morning. Trevor, you might think you've got it, but you haven't. So I'm telling you again. Because when disappointment comes, when hard times come, you don't act as though you've got it. Moses didn't act as though. He had got it. And so God tells him again. But what is God repeating to Moses here? What's he saying again? Well, let's have a look. I think he's repeating two things. 
two things that we also need to be told over and over again. And the first one is, he is Lord. And we are not. He repeats this, that he's the all-powerful, all-knowing, steadfast. And we on that other hand are, actually we know nothing. And we're all over the shop. Verses 1 and 2. Says the Lord said to Moses, "Now you see what I'm going to do." Blah, 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 blah. I am the Lord," he says. Does all of that sound familiar? I'm going to do this to Pharaoh. I'm going to, you're going to let me go and blah, blah, blah. well, it should do because he said it in chapter three, chapter four, and chapter five, and he's repeating it again in chapter six. He's repeating himself here. He's not telling Moses anything new. Why? Because Moses needs to be reminded again and again who God is and who he is. You see, Moses has gone to Pharaoh and said, Hey, Pharaoh, the Lord, the great I am, wants you to let the people go. And here's what he's going to do. And what's Pharaoh's response? He says, So what? Who, who is this God, eh? I don't know this God. I know the Egyptian gods and I know that Pharaoh, I'm God. But who's this other God? I've never heard of him. Who is he? He's not bigger than me. Clear off of that. And so what does Moses do? Well, he gets, puts his tail between his legs and he, he goes off sulking and moaning to God. Here's the reality, you see. Moses has a problem, Israel has a problem, and their problem seems bigger to them than their God. And God responds to him and says, you need to know again that I am the Lord. You need to remember who I am. Instead of moaning and groaning and feeling sorry for yourself, you need to be reminded who's with you. And I'm going to tell you, Moses, again and again and again, until you get it. You see, what happens when we face something that's bigger than us? When we have to deal with a situation that just seems totally overwhelming, something that we think is going to swamp us, something that seems to have no way out. How do we respond to that? Well, if you like me, we freak out. We lash out at others. We lash out at God. Why, God? Why am I here? Why is this happening? We run in circles, actually trying to resolve it ourselves. And all the while, God is saying to us over and over and over again until somehow we get it into our tiny little brains that He is Lord. Not a Lord. Not one of the many lords, but the Lord. The Lord over everything. The Lord over sickness and disappointment and failed relationships and difficult jobs. He has to say over and over and over again, I'm the Lord. Pharaoh isn't bigger than me. Your problems aren't bigger than me. Your disappointments aren't bigger than me. I am who I am. Last week, for those of you who were here, I preached about disappointment. 
preached on disappointment. It was timely for me because I'd had a really disappointing week the week before. You know, I'd been sick and I hadn't been able to do all that I wanted to do and it was really frustrating. So God was speaking to me last week. He reminded me of the fact that he's above my disappointments. He's overcome my disappointments and I need to keep my eyes fixed on him. Don't worry, Trevor, just chill out. And I went away Sunday thinking, okay, Lord, thanks for that message received. Obviously not. Because this week has been even more disappointing and even more frustrating than the week before. And how did I handle it? By doing exactly the same thing that I did the week before the week before. Really, Lord? Why? Why is this happening? So frustrated, I've got so much to do. And so God has to remind me again this morning that he's Lord. Exactly the same message that he told me last Sunday. <laughs> I just pray that I've finally got the message. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, this coming week ain't going to be good. You see, sometimes we need to be reminded again and again and again that He's Lord and we're not. He's the Lord over everything that we're dealing with right now, what we're facing right now. Okay, the last thing. <coughs> the second thing that God needs to repeat over and over again, he needs to repeat that he's always faithful to his promises. Look at verses 3 and 5. I won't read them now. You can look at them. So Moses comes to God and Moses, notice that he's wanting to talk about everything that is happening in the present. Everything that's going wrong in the here and now. Moses wants to talk about Pharaoh. He wants to talk about slavery. And in response, it's notice that God talks about the past and the future. He's talking about Abraham. He's talking about Isaac and Jacob. He's talking about the covenant that he made with them. He's talking about Canaan and the land that is promised. What's God doing? He's reminding Moses over and over again that he and what's happening to Moses right now is actually part of something much, much bigger. A bigger story. There's more going on here, Moses, than just what you're going through at the moment. There's a bigger story. I know that right now all you can see is your pain. And, and trust me, there's you need to trust me, there's a beautiful story that makes your pain worthwhile. I, I know you're hurting, I know things aren't easy, and you know what, I'll be with you through that. I'll sustain you through it, your suffering and your disappointment. But hang in there, because it's leading to something bigger and better, Moses, that you can't see. Look at verses uh, 6 to 8. 
I'm going to liberate you. I'm going to set you free. As much as you don't feel like it's true now, you're going to get out of this. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to adopt you. You'll no longer be slaves. You will be sons and daughters. Then I'm going to bless you. I'm going to dwell with you. I'm going to give you a land, a place to call your own. And that is my promise. Do you notice the words that he used? Will. This will happen. It's, uh, it may happen. Not sure yet. It will happen. I'm always faithful to my promises. God is repeating over and over and over again. I'm faithful. My promises are true. Even when you turn your back on me. Even when you moan at me. Even when you so easily forget. I will be faithful to you. Do you know how faithful God is to us? He loves us and works out his purposes through us, irrespective of how we respond. I read this this week and I, I love it. How kind is it of God that he does not view our present worship through the lens of our future failures? As we stand here and say, Lord, yeah, I will worship you. As long as I don't get disappointed, which I will do in two days' time, and I'll forget about worshiping you. How kind is it of a God that does not view our present worship through the lens of our future failure? The Hebrews worship God at the end of chapter 4. What does he do? He's faithful to his promises. At the end of chapter 5, they ignore him and moan at him. What does he do? Stay faithful to his promises. He's faithful to his promises. Here's something worthy of repetition. God is faithful and true and good. The great I am is who he says he is. And he will keep his promises. God is faithful and true and good. The great I am is who he says he is. And he will keep his promises. God is faithful and true and good. The great I am is who he says he is. And he will keep his promises. God is faithful and true and good. The great I am is who he says he is. And he will keep his promises. God is faithful and true and good. The great I am is who he says he is. And he will keep his promises. Over and over over again. Kids, how are we doing? Have we got something? You want to show us what you've done so far? Bring them up to the front. Let's have a look. Come on, Sadie. Come on, buddy. It's all right. We've got lunch to go to. Hurry. <laughs> Jesus 
sets me free in the word Jesus. Isn't that cool? Pray these things. 